Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone and welcome back to the second part of this two-part episode on the North Korean countryside. Last week we just managed to cover the mountains in North Korea and I realized I missed something pretty significant off that I wanted to tell you. I actually failed to mention that Korea as a whole is 70% mountainous, with most of that falling in the northern part. Indeed, 80% of North Korea is mountainous. This contributes somewhat to food shortages, as there is a significant shortage of arable land for farming. This week, we're exploring more of North Korea's countryside that you can find on the way to these mountains or deserve their own trip themselves. I had to cut this list way down. Originally, I included the different beaches, as well as temples and other bits of historical and cultural significance nearby the various sites, but it was just getting to be too much, so I'll have to cover those another time. And I'm actually kind of sad to announce this, but this is actually going to be the second to last episode in the series. Don't worry, I'll be back for sure, and next week is an extra long and extra fun episode to keep you busy. I'm just going to be traveling for the next month and a bit, and also thought I'd use it as a bit of an excuse for a holiday. By the time you're listening to the final episode, or indeed potentially this episode, I will be hopefully driving deep in the New Zealand countryside on the southern side of the hemisphere, probably quite a bit colder than now too, as temperatures here even in the night don't drop below 30 degrees Celsius or 87 degrees Fahrenheit for my American friends. I'll also be starting a new podcast project whilst I'm away. Alongside filming a documentary in Tonga, I'm also going to be trying out a new travel podcast project, one where I basically document what I'm doing and experiencing, kind of like a vlog, but audio, and much more calm and kind of more immersive in a way. Anyway, I'm going to give it a go and let's see. 
I'm still trying to figure out a name though, so if you have any ideas, hit me up with your options. I appreciate a lot of you so far have had requests of topics for me to cover, including sports in North Korea, the healthcare system, and other specific topics. Don't worry, I haven't forgotten these if I haven't covered them yet, and I've certainly written them down. There are two main reasons I haven't got to them yet. The first one um, may be that I just haven't got around to it yet. There's a lot of topics that I want to cover. And the second might be because um, the specific topic, it might be one that I want to first go back to North Korea to gather more information on and chat to some locals to make sure that I'm gathering the best and most up-to-date info. There are some things I certainly feel more confident and knowledgeable talking about than others, so some will have to wait for the border opening, unfortunately. But with a border opening comes so much more exciting prospects, um, such as getting, you know, the North Koreans on here as guests. So watch this space for that. Before we start, I wanted to highlight the fact that a lot of the information was taken from Tours' awesome resource for these two episodes. It's a travel guide resource. They actually have a whole area on their website called Travel Guides, where they present all your need-to-know info for each of the countries they visit. But for North Korea, it's much more in-depth. Indeed, it's certainly the biggest and most extensive North Korean travel guide available online. You basically head to the North Korean page on their website, koreogroup.com, and you can basically browse by category or by area. For example, if you want to search the restaurants in Pyongyang, you can head to the Pyongyang section, then click on restaurants, and you'll be presented with a whole list. You can then click into these individual posts and read about the restaurant itself, what kind of food, what kind of prices, etc. If you want to find hotels on the east coast or main sites in Kaesong, you go again through the process. You search the area and then what exactly you're looking for. There are hundreds of individual posts there and it's a pretty cool up-to-date resource written by those who really know these areas well. And I know this is a super cool resource myself because I project manage its creation, so I can really vouch for it. If something isn't covered here you'd like to see, let me know and I'll personally see to it that it gets added. If you want to have a browse yourself, the link is in the show notes. I personally found them very useful for writing this episode since, although I project managed the creation of the travel guides and the project, I didn't write all of the sections myself. It was written by a collection of around 10 experts all pulling their knowledge together, and it's an ongoing project too, with all the new restaurants and sites popping up as we go. So, enough of that, you know where to find me, Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, all of the things on at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK. Email me on zoediscovers at gmail.com. Let's get stuck into North Korea's best countryside spots. First up, we have Pagyon Falls. This is a hidden gem located around 45 minutes by road from Kaesong in North Korea. This picturesque spot offers a breathtaking sight with water pouring over smooth granite edge, cascading 37 meters down into a deep blue pool below. The falls create a serene and captivating atmosphere that attracts visitors seeking the natural beauty of the area. Upon arrival at Pagyon Falls, you'll be greeted with a sight of large rocks scattered across the pool, with one particularly convenient rock featuring a small staircase carved into it. Locals often flock to this spot on sunny days for picnics and frolicking, enjoying the peaceful surroundings and refreshing atmosphere. Although swimming is not officially permitted due to safety concerns, there are adventurous locals who occasionally take a plunge. 
if you're daring enough and can convince your guide, you might have the chance to experience the falls up close. But obviously, be cautious and prioritise your safety. It's a hidden gem that's often overlooked by visitors travelling between Pyongyang and Kaesong. However, adding a stop to this scenic spot can greatly enhance your journey. As you make your way along the highway, you'll discover the beauty of the mountains and encounter various points of interest, ranging from small curiosities like the dinosaur footprints, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, to larger attractions like Sariwon City. It's an opportunity to appreciate both the natural scenery and the ancient history of the region. To reach Pagyon Falls, the road from Kaesong is approximately a 45-minute drive. While the road can be steep, it is surprisingly well-maintained and suitable for both cars and buses. It's advisable to wear sturdy shoes if you're visiting the area, especially if you plan to embark on a walk through the area. Visiting the falls alone is worth the journey. However, there is actually more to see beyond the falls. Prepare to lace up your shoes and embark on an uphill hike to discover the remnants of Taehungsan Fortress. Although the fortress is now mostly in ruins, the north gate still stands, accompanied by a pavilion added during the Ri or Joseon dynasty. It is a glimpse into the historical past of the region. Continuing your hike for approximately 1.5 kilometers, you'll arrive at the revered Kwanum Temple. This was founded in 970. The temple has undergone renovation and redevelopment throughout the centuries, and also notably the Kwanum Cave houses ancient marble statues of Guanyin. Adorned with a stone pagoda and various temple buildings, Quanum Temple sits harmoniously against the backdrop of the majestic mountains, providing a rare and tranquil retreat and, frankly, just a chance to have a bit of a chill out from your busy tour. For the more adventurous hikers, a further trek leads to Taehong Temple, a surviving temple with a fascinating history. Once a renowned place of study, it fell into ruins during the invasion of the Red Turbans, leaving little to see. However, the hike itself offers pleasant surroundings and incredible views, making it an enticing option for exploration. A stop at Pagyon Falls while traveling from Kaesong to Pyongyang typically takes around one to three hours depending on your walking pace, level of interest in the area, and how long you wish to dip your toes in the refreshing waters of the pool. Embrace the serenity, soak in the beauty, and relish the rare opportunity to discover a hidden gem in the North Korean mountains. Next up is something super overlooked when visiting Mount Myohyang, a hidden gem along the road, again. For those with enough time and sense of adventure, a side trip to the Rongmun cave system is highly recommended. This is located just 40 minutes drive from Mount Myohyang and is a cave complex offering an intriguing journey into the depths of the earth. The entrance to the Rongmun caves may resemble a concrete bunker, a characteristic of North, a North Korean touch. After meeting a local guide and equipping yourself with a torch or flashlight, you'll descend through an initially utilitarian pathway that leads you into a fascinating cave system. If you're prone to claustrophobia, it's best to stay outside and enjoy the open air. But if you're ready for an adventure that you never thought that you would ever have in North Korea of all places, brace yourself for an unforgettable experience. 
Formed over hundreds of millions of years, the vast limestone cave complex of Ryungmun Caves consists of large caverns and smaller interconnected systems. Local guides are well versed in navigating the cave, so you don't have to worry too much, and many sections are illuminated with vibrant colours, creating a curiously psychedelic atmosphere reminiscent of an 80s school disco. As you explore, you may feel like you've stepped into an old science fiction movie. While the larger caverns can tower up to 40 metres in height, you'll also encounter smaller tunnels and passages, complete with carved and bolted staircases for easy access. Traversing the cave system does not require strenuous crawling or climbing, but it's important to maintain a steady tread, wear suitable clothes and shoes, and be prepared to duck under some sharp stalactites. A basic hike through the caves covers a distance of around two or three kilometers, so quite a while. The cave system itself extends for an impressive seven kilometers. Despite the ancient nature of the caves, the revolutionary spirit of the DPRK still finds its way into the naming of rock formations and landmarks. Interestingly, in 2000, the Korean Cultural Relics Publishing House of the DPRK submitted the Ryongmun Caves Complex, along with the nearby Pakryong Cave, for consideration to be included on UNESCO's World Heritage List for Natural Sites, but the application was not accepted. Next up, let's go to a waterfall, Ulim Waterfall, meaning Echo Waterfall. This is a site often visited and also a site that frequently graces the media landscapes of the DPRK, from stamps to television appearances and even as a backdrop for some versions of the mass games, Ulim Waterfall holds a significant place in the country's imagery. Despite its media presence, the captivating site remains relatively unexplored by visitors. However, with the emerging domestic tourism industry, buses of Pyongyang tourists occasionally make a stop at Ulim Waterfall on their way to or from Wonsan or the nearby Masik Ryong ski resort. In terms of emerging domestic tourism industry, I want to highlight that this has really boomed during COVID, or rather, as the DPRK is recovering from COVID and there are lots of guides who are used to taking people around the country, this is now what they're doing. A lot of people ask me, what are the guides doing? Um, and I think two things that I want to say here is the first thing is that they're all generally are all still working but they are doing domestic tourism so they're taking people um, from around the country or even from Pyongyang into different areas of the country and this leads me on to my second point which is a lot of people see the guides as government minders and with this point I just really want to highlight the fact that even when foreign tourism is not happening they're still you know doing their job their speciality which is taking people around the country and I think what a lot of people don't realize is that they are incredibly smart they have been trained for years and years and years in taking people around the country and when they're not working and literally on tour they are studying um you know for new places and yeah for sure what exactly the narrative is that they should be saying about some things but otherwise you know they're always looking for new things that we can do and making sure that they know exactly the history and stuff like that about the location they're very very smart people they're not government minders they are professional tour guides and that's what they continue to do even when we're not there
Back to the waterfall, it's a short drive off the Pyongyang Wonsan Highway, approximately 35 kilometers by road from the eastern coastal city of Wonsan. Its idyllic location amidst nature's tranquility makes it a hidden gem awaiting discovery. Ulim Waterfall was reportedly discovered by the Korean People's Army soldiers in the mid-1990s, although locals were already aware of its existence due to its name, which refers to the claim that the echoes of the waterfall can be heard up to four kilometers away. The significance of this natural wonder caught the attention of Kim Jong-il, who visited Ulim Waterfall in 2001 and ordered its accessibility to be improved. The 75-metre-tall Ulim Waterfall stands as a testament to the awe-inspiring natural beauty found in North Korea. Carved into the cliff next to the falls are the numbers 2001. What do they refer to? Well, they mark the notable visit and establishment of a small and frankly underutilised resort that includes a road, car park and guest house. As you approach Ulim Waterfall, the peaceful pool at the foot of the falls will welcome you. While swimming and bathing are officially prohibited, locals often take the liberty to enjoy the cool waters anyway. So, if it's warm enough, why not dip your toes in? It's a picturesque spot ideal for picnics, offering visitors a chance to unwind amidst the natural surroundings. If you find yourself in Wonsan, a visit to Ulim Waterfall is highly recommended, providing a refreshing break and a glimpse of the region's unspoilt beauty. Usually here you can spend between half an hour and two hours, depending if you want to picnic there or something. It's also a very, very nice walk to the waterfall itself. A very short walk and there's no up and down. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's a really nice place. One of my favourites. Definitely worth a visit. And of course, as with most of these natural sites in North Korea, one of the big things about them that you won't find anywhere else is that there are no people. You usually have this whole natural spot just for you. And believe me, that, that really adds to the experience. And it is Sama Lagoon up next. Heading back into the Mount Kumgang mountain range, its name translates to three days. Originating from a tale that tells of a king who intended to visit for only three days, but found himself so captivated by the grandeur of the views that he stayed for three days. While you may only have an hour or two to explore, and indeed not three days, rest assured that you'll be capturing a lot more photos than the king and you will create lasting memories of this remarkable place. Nestled at the foot of the range where it meets the East Sea, also known as the Sea of Japan, the lagoon spans approximately six kilometres in circumference and boasts really exceptional scenic beauty, especially on a nice day. A leisurely walk through the trees leads you to rocky outcrops that descend towards the tranquil body of water. The region is characterised by the distinctive style of protruding rocks found in the area. There are pavilions and occasionally openings of a small restaurant. Islands dot the water surface offering countless excellent photo opportunities. While admiring the lagoon, you'll notice a red boy marking a spot where Kim Jong-suk mother of North Korea, wife of Kim Il-sung and a renowned guerrilla fighter with exceptional markmanship, demonstrated her shooting skills. Although swimming is officially forbidden due to safety concerns, locals often swim in the lagoon. 
The restriction for foreigners is primarily in place because of the potential risks associated with water activities. However, if you can politely convince your guides, they may turn a blind eye if you want to take a short dip. Just remember not to swim towards the boy as it marks a significant achievement of a notable figure in DPRK history. Sin Pyong up next, which is actually simply a rest stop on tour, although it is so much more than a rest stop, in my mind. Around halfway along the four-hour journey from Pyongyang to Wonsan, your driver and indeed you will both need to get out of the bus and to stretch your legs, and this is probably one of the most scenic rest stops that I've ever been to in the world. Nestled in a breathtakingly scenic spot adjacent to a small reservoir that holds back part of the Nam River, Simpyong is officially classified as a tourism developed zone since 2014. However, the tourism infrastructure in the area is quite minimal, with only a hiking trail leading away from the, right, from the main road. The main feature of the rest area is the simple two-story Simpyong guest house. Downstairs, you'll find a shop offering an eclectic collection of snacks and drinks, which changes each visit, a restaurant and of course the all-important restroom facilities. Upstairs, there are a few guest rooms available. Whilst technically open to Western tourists, the guest house is often unavailable due to its subpar conditions. At the car park, drivers and travellers make use of the stop to stretch their legs, refill radiators and give their vehicles a quick wipe down. Take the opportunity to enjoy a bite to eat while marvelling at the surrounding scenery. Across the river, the mountains rise high, the birds soar overhead, creating a pretty captivating scene. It's one of those places where I quickly run to get myself a cup of hot coffee, bring it downstairs, and just sit with my legs over out to the lake, like sit on a little ridge, and hope that no one else comes up to me and talks to me because this is like my calm moment. It's a really beautiful lake and the mountains right in front of you. Yeah, just really make it a very nice scene. But like I said, this is not really much of a tourist stop, so I'm not going to spend much time here. Next up, we go to the enchanting southeast coast of North Korea to Lake Sejong. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
This offers a tranquil escape with its sandy beach and picturesque lake. This idyllic destination provides guests with both accommodation options and rejuvenating health treatments, making it perfect for relaxation and wellness. Lake Sejong is located approximately halfway between Wonsan and Mount Kungang, just a few hundred meters from a sandy beach on the Korean east coast. Covering an area of three kilometers, three square kilometers, sorry, this brackish lagoon is surrounded by verdant trees. Once a part of the East Sea of Korea, Lake Sejong formed over time as a sandbar gradually built up, separating it from the vast ocean. This natural formation has now resulted in the presence of a highway running through the area, conveniently connecting Wonsan and Mount Kumgang. Visitors can easily access this delightful destination, which is perfect for a brief stopover for an overnight stay combined with health treatments. What sets Lake Sejong apart is its renowned healthcare facilities and treatments. While the lake offers scenic views and fishing opportunities, it is the unique substance found at its bottom that holds remarkable healing properties. A DPRK-published guidebook describes the 4-5 cm thick layer of quality mud as containing iron sulfide, calcium chloride, magnesium and crystal hydrate. These elements are believed to be effective in alleviating various ailments, including nervous system disorders, digestive troubles, women's diseases, bronchitis and dermatitis. At the Lake Sejong Motel, guests can indulge in therapeutic treatments utilizing this miraculous mud. Applying heated mud onto the body promotes relaxation and rejuvenation, providing a truly unique experience. However, it is worth noting that the mud does emit a distinctive odor due to its composition of the mud, decaying matter from the surrounding pine trees and the presence of fish that have long dwelled in the lake. Nevertheless, this magical substance attracts visitors seeking its therapeutic benefits regardless of its somewhat pungent aroma. Embrace the treatment and immerse yourself in its healing properties. While Lake Sejong offers a serene lakeside experience, a short walk from the motel leads to Sejong Beach on the actual sea coast. Here you'll find a DPRK-style concrete beach house complete with a restaurant or cafe, shower with intermittent functionality, and access to a golden sandy beach. This pristine stretch of coastline, approximately 45 kilometers of Wonsan, is often devoid of visitors, providing an atmosphere of peaceful seclusion. Again, one of those spots that is just made so much better by the fact that you don't have to share it with anyone else. If this was somewhere in the UK with the weather that I had when I visited here, you would not be able to find a stretch of sand to put down your towel. Swimming is permitted in the calm waters of Sejong Beach. As you enjoy a refreshing dip, you may come across an abandoned fishing vessel that adds a touch of intrigue to the landscape. Additionally, there are rocks in the vicinity that adventurous swimmers can swim out to. However, it's important to note that local crowds are typically absent from this tranquil setting. Ranked among the prestigious eight great sites of Korea, the Pujon Highlands proudly showcases its natural splendor in a remote corner of North Korea. I've only ever been here once because it is so remote, but man, it's a time that I'll never forget. This is also one of the few times that I'm mentioning here that I went somewhere and it was really bad weather. And by bad weather, I don't mean that it was rainy and stormy, but it was very, very cloudy. And 
as we're about to explore, the Pujon Highlands are situated a little bit high <laughs> and, um, you know, often get frequent bad weather or at least frequent clouds. So we were basically exploring amongst the clouds, which, you know, when you can see directly in front of you, the beauty is absolutely fine. But we were not able to see the vast landscape surrounding it. Indeed, I was only truly aware of the vast landscape surrounding this as one of my colleagues went a few weeks after me and showed me some pictures afterwards and I truly did not realise what I was missing out on. This captivating destination offers a journey through winding mountain roads in South Hamgyong province, leading to an enchanting and idiosyncratic ward at its culmination, if you have good weather. If not, then you might just end up hiking for absolutely nothing. One of Korea's natural marvels, the Pujon Stone River, which truly is amazing, astounds visitors with its otherworldly charm. The captivating experience begins even before reaching the destination, as the winding mountain roads of South Yamgyong province provide breathtaking views along the way. Again, weather permitting, and I hope you don't get travel sick. Deep within the mountain spine that spans the Korean peninsula, the Pujon Stone River is situated on the slopes of Mount Okryong. Departing from Hamhung, the journey to the Pujon Stone River takes approximately two to three hours each way. You can see why it's not so visited and whilst why it is truly in a very remote location. It offers the numerous opportunities to pause and capture scenic visits along the way. Locals who visit this route often make stops at mountaintop pavilions, adding an extra touch of enjoyment to their adventure. Upon arrival in Pujon County, the first stop unveils the renowned Pujon Stone River, an extraordinary sight to behold. This vast expanse comprises of a massive field of naturally formed rocks, many of them remarkably large, measuring up to 4 metres in diameter. Stretching over 700 metres downslope and several metres deep, this rock formation creates the illusion of a static river with the soothing sound of water flowing beneath. While a wooden bridge spans over the Pujon Stone River, allowing visitors to gaze down upon its natural, surreal beauty, caution should be exercised due to the sizable gaps between the rocks and the depth of up to 5 metres. Furthermore, hidden between the rocks, an actual river does run through, adding a particularly haunting and another dimension to this unique landscape. It really does look like a river of massive boulder rocks running down and you can also hear the river in the background too. It's pretty incredible and I have to say I haven't seen anything like it anywhere else in the world. Not that it doesn't exist but for me it was just a pretty nice and new landscape to experience. For those with an interest in revolutionary activity intertwined with natural wonders, a visit to the Pujonstone River unveils a few slogan trees, symbolizing the area's historical significance during the anti-Japanese resistance period of the 1920s to 1940s, when it served as a base for the guerrilla army. I truly find it so interesting whenever I see these slogan trees to see a bit of history captivated in the nature. Slogan trees are basically trees that have slogans carved into them. You can imagine what kind of slogans these might be, um, encouraging the war effort or anti-Japanese slogans. 
After immersing in the wonders of the Pujon Stone River, the journey continues to embrace a more conventional perspective of the surrounding landscape. The peak of Mount Okrion offers a awe-inspiring view of the valleys and mountains that stretch far and wide, if you are lucky enough, with good weather. Reaching the summit can be accomplished through either a rewarding hike or a shorter drive. At the top, a charming stone cabin nestled beneath a massive rock awaits, known as the Ocreon Revolutionary Site. This historically significant location served as a refuge for partisans and guerrillas during the revolutionary era. Local guides will illuminate the area's revolutionary history, seamlessly intertwining 20th century Korean significance with the picturesque and seldom seen landscapes, making the long and bumpy journey to and from the Pujon Highlands undeniably worthwhile. Because of its difficult drive, this is often a cancelled itinerary item or indeed it can be a little difficult to visit. If the weather is too rainy, if it's deemed as too dangerous to go, then unfortunately it will be cancelled. Indeed, it's not often on itineraries in the first place. Next up is a super interesting one which, until I came to Taiwan, I hadn't actually seen elsewhere in the world. And actually, I've never seen this in Korea myself in person, only in photos, because it's closed to tourists. But there has been signs that it could potentially open to foreigners in recent years, obviously pre-COVID. Let's see what happens when the country finally opens up once again. This is Jong Sok Jong, meaning concentration of rocks doesn't sound too exciting, but believe me, it's pretty cool. It's an enchanting location often portrayed in North Korean paintings and videos showcasing the country's iconic natural beauty. With its stunning basalt columns rising majestically from the sea, Jong Sok Jong has become a symbol of resilience and unique scenic allure. If you didn't get that, what it exactly is, is these basalt columns that rise out of the ocean and form basically these column structures. If you've never heard of this before, if you've never seen it, just google it for a reference. I've seen it in a few of the outer islands in Taiwan now. It's very cool to see these, it's like a big rock structure coming out of the sea, but it's in column-like sections. Pretty cool and pretty mesmerizing. It's situated on the east coast of the DPRK and just a short drive of Mount Kungang, just north of it. It remains close to the time of writing, with restricted access, however, I do know at least one foreigner who has been before, not on a tourist visa though, and there has been, um, you know, some more information for potential future trips. The defining feature of Jong Sok Jong is its mesmerizing basalt columns, which stand like sentinels emerging from the sea. These dramatic formations are often showcased on North Korean television, with crashing waves serving as a visual metaphor for the country's resilience against external pressures. Moreover, Jong Sok Jong has made appearances in pop videos, further highlighting its scenic beauty and allure. The topography and formation of the basalt columns resemble a Korean version of the Giant's Causeway. Local families often visit Jong Sok Jong for leisurely walks, picnics, while fishermen gather in the area. Researchers also explore the flora and rock formations, adding to its significance. Many of the columns bear ancient graffiti, inscribed by Korean and Chinese characters. 
The presence of Chinese script reflects the historical period when Chinese was the written language in Korea, predating the development of the Korean writing system Hangul, which, by the way, is the easiest alphabet you can ever learn. If you don't believe me, try it. Um, it'll take you about one to two hours to grab a basic understanding and just a day or two to fully master the Korean writing system. Like carvings found in significant sites worldwide, this graffiti holds a historical value documenting the passage of time and human interaction. According to an ancient Korean myth, a general who sought access to the cave was impeded by powerful waves. In an extraordinary feat, the general shaped the rocks into a barrier bridge, allowing him to reach the cave. Such myths are an integral part of Korean folklore and add an extra layer of intrigue to the area. For those with an artistic inclination, a stunning woodblock print of Jong Sok Jong from the 1930s can be viewed at the Art Institute of Chicago collection, capturing the timeless beauty of the captivating haven of basalt columns. And last but certainly not least is a landscape that was never meant to be but in recent years has turned into a massive stretch of land home to one of the largest concentration of wildlife on the Korean peninsula, including some endangered species. Can you guess what it is? Well, it's a landscape that has been largely untouched by mankind for, you know, the past 70 odd years, and it's certainly not a site that you can visit as a tourist, or that anyone indeed can visit, apart from potentially if you're a soldier patrolling the area. This area, this natural reserve so to speak, was not deliberately created, and indeed not created by the Korean people themselves. The Korean Demilitarized Zone, the DMZ as it's otherwise known, is a 4km wide strip of land that separates South Korea, the Republic of Korea, from North Korea, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, or DPRK, as we often refer to it here. Established in 1953 after the signing of the Armistice Agreement, the DMZ stretches 250 kilometers across the entire country, still serving as the technical frontline since the Korean War has yet to officially end. Beyond its military and social significance, many are unaware that the DMZ has transformed into a unique wildlife reserve, allowing rare flora and fauna to flourish undisturbed. The region boasts incredible biodiversity owing to Korea's overall ecological richness. With its diverse landscapes of rivers, coastlines, mountains, swamps, forests and grassland, the DMZ provides a suitable habitat for a wide range of plants and animals. Scientists have identified over 2,900 plant species and more than 70 mammal species in the DMZ. It is believed that the area may even harbour extremely rare creatures like the Siberian tiger, armor leopard and Asiatic black bear. Among the notable inhabitants of the DMZ are two endangered crane species, the red-crowned crane and the white-naped crane. These elegant birds hold significant cultural symbolism in Korea, representing purity and longevity. Throughout history, cranes have been regarded as a symbol of the Korean civilization's steadfastness. Efforts have been made to designate the DMZ as a protective wildlife reserve. In 2011, South Korea applied to the UNESCO for the region's recognition, but the application was denied due to concerns raised by North Korea. 
a member of the UNESCO panel regarding potential violations of the armistice. Both the Pyongyang and Seoul governments have expressed their desire to protect the DMZ as a sanctuary for biodiversity and endangered animals in the event of future Korean reunification. Until then, the DMZ will likely remain untouched by human activity, enabling nature to thrive and develop undisturbed. Despite the complex political dynamics that allowed its existence over seven decades, the DMZ stands as a testament to the resilience of nature, providing a glimpse into a world untouched by human intervention. And so on that note, I'd like to conclude this two-part episode on the countryside and landscapes in North Korea. The landscapes and spots I chose here are known for either being very remote and hard to get to, or especially known for being popular tourist spots. They're the spots that really stuck out to me, but there are actually so many more. Plus, I missed out all of the things on here that you can see along the way to these places or that are nearby or, you know, all of these revolutionary sites, all of the Buddhist temples, all of the historical sites that you can see around the region in some of these places as well. Obviously, when you're on a tour to North Korea, you don't have to worry about planning where you're going and what you're going to see. We make sure that anything around the area that we can go to, we try and go to. And anything like Jongsokjong that isn't open yet, we try and, you know, make open and hopefully we'll be able to visit there one day. But until now, you do have a lot of places that you can visit in North Korea um, and that I would really you know, really recommend visiting. A lot of people ask me like, how are you going to spend like more than four or five days on a tour to North Korea? And I tell you, I my longest tour, we still did not see everything on that tour. I mean, it's a pretty darn extensive tour. And if you're looking for, you know, one of the most in-depth insights into North Korea, then for sure, it's definitely the place to go. But there's always more to explore and there's always more being discovered. There's always more being opened out to foreign tourism. So if you are considering a tour to North Korea, obviously the borders are not open at the moment, but do consider instead of spending just a, a three-night tour where you visit Pyongyang and maybe the DMZ, then consider staying, if you can, another day or two uh, and at least take off another city and another site. You'll never know what might surprise you along the way. Honestly, for me, the, the mountains are probably my favourite thing just because I love hiking, but I'm constantly discovering these places myself. You know, I have not seen all of these places yet, certainly. And there's always a new waterfall, there's always a new area, there's always a new beach that I've never been to before. So there's lots more to discover. And as I keep discovering, I hope to take you on that journey too. I want to mention once again that there are a bunch of travel guides. I mentioned them at the start. Please go to the Choreo Tours website, choreogroup.com, and you can find a whole section on travel guides. I will link them in the show notes below. I'll also link the where you can find the Jongsok Jong at the uh, University of Chicago if you want to see that. And you can also, for any of the visuals on here, there are photos online. There are also photos on my Instagram, but they might be hard to find. Um, I did do a post on the mountains, so you can head to my Instagram for a visual on the mountains. But for all of the things that I've mentioned, you should head over to the travel guides. You will be able to find them. Um, 
and that's it for this episode. For next week, we have a very exciting episode that um, you know is pretty topical as we just ended this one on the DMZ. We are actually traveling from the DMZ east to west with Greg and with two tourists who did this tour with us, but we are going from the south side. Um, as North Korea is not open yet, and this tour did happen last year, it's happening again this year, um, there are lots and lots of sites on the way. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that the DMZ is not just the Blue Huts. You know, it's it's this 250 kilometer, that's a lot of miles long line that divides the entire Korean peninsula. And there's a load of interesting stuff to see along the way of this line. So tune in next week, which will be the last episode of this series for an extra long special on traversing the DMZ and how you can do it this year too. Thanks very much for sticking along for part two, and I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.